Hi, and welcome to Union Podcast. My name is Jamie Wolfer, and I'm a wedding planner who absolutely loves to share how I got started and scale my business to above six figures in this amazing and occasionally extremely competitive industry. In this podcast, I share the tech, tactics, mindset, and mistakes that got me to where I am today. No gatekeeping, no cloak and dagger, just full disclosure and a little humor along the way. So whether you're a planner or a solopreneur, my goal is for you to be a better business person than I ever could have been and support you on this journey. Let's dive into this week's episode. Today's episode is one of my favorite things in the entire world, and that is a live Q&A from one of our union mastermind calls. I know you're going to love it. Take a listen. When are the biggest engagement seasons throughout the year and how should I prepare? Right now. It's happening right now. So most people, the engagement season, if you are newer to the industry, it usually happens near the holidays when everyone's going to be around family. So that's Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, all of these holidays that are being celebrated during this season, a lot of people are proposing. Uh, one, so they don't have to buy another gift. Yeah, just kidding. Kind of. If, if I mean, if it was my husband, he would have been, I had to tell him he was not allowed to propose on my birthday. I was like, no, it's gotta be a separate day, separate day, separate thing. So he proposed a week to the day before my birthday. I was like, great. Thank you for following instructions. And then we will see the wrapping up of the engagement season usually happens around Valentine's Day. It's like the last scooping up of all the all the engagements that happen. That's not to say people don't get engaged outside of that, but this is like astronomically more. Like this is a very high concentration of of when engagements will be happening. So this right now, like over the next two weeks, you're really going to want to hone in and prepare and get any of this ready for what could be a deluge of people coming to your website. Now would be the time to, if you've been kind of noodling on it or like on the fence of like, should I be posting on socials? Should I be doing reels? Now's the time to test that. Now's the time to put some of those feelers out there. Now's the time to like post that silly reel where you're dancing or where you're giving advice. Because (laughs) listening to The Game by Alex Hermozzi, 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 I don't know. It's the it's the podcast that's absolutely destroying me. He's like, you need to have enough going on in your socials that if someone comes to your socials, they need to see that it's frequent enough that you're still active. You're still in business. You're still moving. You're still shaking. It's not like something from three months ago because they will go, huh, they haven't posted in three months. This is the imposter syndrome that we're stuck in. This is where we kind of just get stuck and we don't want to move forward or it's really, really difficult to kind of get past that but you need to. Now is the time to really test that out, test that marketing, have a couple prepared. If that means every other day for the next two weeks, you guys, that's only seven posts. You can do it. I know you can. If that's advice, if that's doing something silly, if that's just posting static photos, I don't care. I want to make sure that your socials look prepared for this next deluge, for this next season. So if anyone comes to your website, not website, excuse me, if anyone comes to any of your socials, you look like you're still operational. Because if something is from last year, mm -mm, no fam, like we really need to make sure that this is the time that we're focusing on that. And I know that sounds daunting and I know it sounds scary. It doesn't have to be perfect content. Just make sure something's posted recently. All right. How do you suggest I figure out appropriate pricing for my services for full wedding planning services and month of coordination? I will be servicing the Chicago suburbs if that helps to know. That doesn't, I mean, that kind of helps to know. There are a couple ways that you can go about doing your pricing. And we do talk about this in, in the mastermind itself because you can either do it based off of what you need to earn or you can do it based off of what people are charging in your area or like an amalgamation of both. I scoured websites to see if anyone had pricing available. Scoured them. And I was like, or Facebook groups. I just waited and I watched. 
I was like, how much are people charging for this? Are you, are you like charging a lot? Are we charging? What are we doing, guys? Like, I really wish there was a group that I could go to to be like, hey, so what's everyone charging? Which I do recommend you do. Like, I think you should jump into one of the one of the chats that we have in our new membership thing and be like, what's everybody charging? And I there no gatekeeping. There should be no gatekeeping on cost because we are not here to compete with one another. Help a sister out, right? Like, if you do not know what you're charging, ask the people in our group. Where are you at? Are you seeing success with this? How close are you to a big city? Because that is the perfect opportunity. This is unlike anything that I had. I just had to sit and wait and watch and be like, okay. Or to find another group with other vendors in it and hope that people took enough pity on me to tell me their responses. Had considered like emailing, pretending to be somebody. I don't know if I actually did it. It's been a couple of years. It's been a lot of years. (laughs) But I think what I ended up doing is I ended up talking to trusted resources that I knew would know costs of wedding planners in my area and then watched in Facebook groups to see, you know, if someone's like, I'm looking for a wedding coordinator, what's everyone's cost? Let me know. And then I'd just be like, let me know too. What are you doing? What are we putting on here? So as far as where you're at, there are some general rules of thumb that can be a little bit helpful with this. I started at the $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 marks. $1,000 for a month of coordination, $2,000 for partial planning, $3,000 for full planning. My hourly rate, which you'll have to go through that section of the master plan to really kind of like do that math and figure that out. My hourly rate was $100 an hour on paper, the time I would spend with them. Was I making $100 an hour? No, because I was posting my booty behind the scenes and I was contacting people and I was planning and I was emailing and I was organizing. And no, it wasn't $100 an hour. I For every hour I spent with them, I probably spent three hours working on something else. So I brought it down to like, what, $25 an hour? Picking an hourly rate and then applying it to your different packages will help you to, to develop a much better sliding scale for when you add or remove services. That's going to be the best way of handling that to make sure that you are constantly being paid for your efforts. So I would start somewhere in that sphere. You'll probably find people in your area that'll charge like 500, 600, 800. I wouldn't go below eight for month of coordination. <laughs> Jacqueline said, I definitely entered my email into a few local coordinator websites to get their package sheet. I get it. No, 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 no. Like there is not, I think it's just socially frowned upon to do that. But also like, how else are you supposed to find out? Oh, but I am currently engaged. So it's only a little bit not legit. (laughs) Okay, wait, no, wait, that makes, wait, I just remembered what I did. (laughs) Now I sound like I'm just piggybacking off of your story. But I had just previously done the research before I started my business. That's what it was. I'm like, I don't think I just asked just to ask. I don't recall doing that, but I was very tempted. So I had just finished planning my wedding and I was like, I know what these people charge for a few people. I didn't do like a big sweeping scope, but I was still not confident enough to be like, then that's going to be my pricing. That's where I waited to see what other people would post. And that's where I like would talk to a couple trusted confidants. That's what happened. Thanks for jogging my memory on that, Jacqueline. (laughs) I promise I'm not just stealing your story. That makes more sense for what happened. I think it's just probably like feels socially not acceptable to do that specifically. But at the same time, if you don't have a group like this, right? Like if you don't have a mastermind to go to, who the heck are you supposed to be asking? (laughs) How the heck are you supposed to find this out? Especially if everyone's all like, my pricing, I I don't put that on my website. Okay, well then I'm just going to pick a number. So... That's kind of a little bit all over the place. I feel like that was an effective answer. Let me run that back through in my mind real quick. Pick an hourly rate. Make sure you're charging accordingly for the amount of work that you're doing. Um, And then uh, go to our group. Ask other people where they're charging. Ask where they're at. Ask if they're near a city. Ask how long they've been doing this. Um, And then remember that pricing is not permanent. It is so not permanent. 
you don't have to keep it like that. You can do pricing testing. You can do, you know, how many people book you at 800 versus 1200. You know, is it worth it? Should you make that jump? Should you make that leap? It's all a confidence thing. It's all whether or not like you feel like it's you are worth that amount and you feel like you can sell if you're worth that amount or not, which is hard, super hard to do, um, especially when you're first getting started. But if you can get over that stumbling block of confidence, your own stumbling block of confidence, then you can find that pricing is a lot less of an emotional attachment. What can I count on on the DJ to help me with as far as staying on track with the timeline? This, God bless them. This depends on the DJ. <laughs> because you'd like to think that you could just like hand them a timeline and things would happen. No, not necessarily, but it all depends on the DJ. This is why I love DJ Griffin with um, SoCal DJ Entertainment. I could hand him a timeline and literally go home. Like I could just go home. I, I know that he's going to be effective with a timeline. I know that I can trust him. And I know that if I'm like, hey, I'm going to come let you know before speeches, he's not going to start them without me. So it really does kind of depend on the DJ. Now I wouldn't just go home, but I could. I, I could, right, Rebecca? I feel like we could just like hand him the reins and be like, okay, we're going to go take a 45 minute break. And he's got it all covered. That's kind of, you'll have to kind of gauge that as you're working with a DJ for the first time. You don't know. So usually I will kind of do that polite follow-up a couple times, especially earlier on in the day. I give that five-minute warning of like, hey, I think we're going to start the ceremony in about five minutes. If you can ask everyone to take their seats, that'd be fantastic. I've got everyone lined up. We're good to go. Or we're about to do grand entrance. I'm going to pull you to come, you know, would you mind coming with me just to confirm pronunciation of names? Whatever that happens to look like. And if I start to see that the DJ is like kind of beating me to the punch in the best way, I'm like, cool, you got this. I'll just give you like a little nod and I will affirm the heck out of that DJ. I'll be like, you are incredible. Thank you so much for being aware and for like jumping on this and joining me in this. This is fantastic. But there's other DJs where I will never forget this one DJ who literally started, made an announcement for toasts, for speeches and photo and video. I could see where they were. They were eating on the front lawn because it was a backyard wedding. And I was pumping because I was nursing Silas at the time in my car, just, just, just pumping. And he's like, we're starting toasts. And I watch four humans just get up and book it. And then I go, I mean, it's, I don't know if you, if you have children or if you have pumped or whatever, it's not one of those things where you just like, stop. <laughs> you just, you don't, you don't just stop and just take off. So there, luckily, uh, it was, I was basically finished anyway. So it ended up being okay, but you can't necessarily just count on a DJ to do things and just count on them to stay on time or follow the timeline. You can do a couple check-ins and then start to trust your gut where you're like, I think this guy's got it. I think this gal's got it. I'm not as worried about it. I'm going to give him a little heads up, but I don't, I also would prefer like a back and forth conversation instead of a DJ just assuming, which that DJ did. Oh, would you look at the time? I'm going to start speeches. And it's like, that's not, this is nuanced friend. That's not how this works. So it is a case by case basis. Unfortunately, it is a DJ by DJ basis and it's an event by event basis, but you will probably start to pick on, pick up on who is a good DJ and who isn't based on the first few minutes of interaction, based on the first 45 minutes of the event. You're going to be like, all right, this person's got it. I feel good. I feel confident working with them moving forward. Hey, it's me, Heather, the resident tech nerd around here. Seriously, guys, I love tech that makes life and business easier. And one of those tech pieces for me is Timeline Genius. I'm telling you, when I found out about it, I lost my mind. Um, if you're making wedding day timelines the old fashioned way, you're missing out, my friend. I mean, I'm sure your timelines are lovely and all, but this is next level. You can save time and create timelines that are unmatched with Timeline Genius. Shoot, you can even set up text reminders in Timeline Genius and 
that can remind the vendors of little details on the big day. I like to set up a reminder of where to park or the loading dock in my timeline, genius timeline. And it sends them a little reminder with the links to their phone at the exact time I want them to have it, maybe 30 minutes before their arrival. It is wild. And the reviews I get from other vendors and from my clients are top notch because of this level of detail. And you know what? You can try Timeline Genius for free for two weeks. You guys go over to the unionpodcast.com slash timeline and give it a try. If you love it half as much as I do, you're going to be a raving fan just like me. Again, that's the unionpodcast.com slash timeline and enjoy that two free weeks with Timeline Genius, you guys. Do you want to make more money? Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I'm sorry to bait you like that, but did you know that you could double what you're making on a wedding? You see, if you sign up for a photo booth with Photo Booth Supply Company, then you can bring your super sweet salsa booth to an event and get anywhere from six dollars to $1,200 off of renting that bad boy out. You're already going to be there, so why not add a little change to line your pockets? Want to know more? Check out all of their options at theunionpodcast.com slash photo booth. What is a common issue on wedding days? That's far too open-ended. <laughs> is there an issue that happens often enough that you could give us newbies a warning on what to watch for? Anything that should trigger a red flag warning when it happens. How much time do we have left? <laughs> okay, so there is not one singular common issue that happens on a wedding day. I would love to be like, oh, it's this one thing. And if once you do this, everything's fine. We're professional fire putter outers. Like we are professional firefighters because so many of them pop up in different ways. Common issues that I am more of an umbrella approach or perspective. Vendors not doing their jobs. Vendors having an ego or emotions attached to doing their jobs. That's something that you start to have a better sense for when it's like a DJ. And I, I had gotten a couple inklings from the DJ with the pumping issue. <laughs> I've gotten a couple moments where I was like, you're not a good listener, uh, are you? No, I didn't say that out loud. I just thought it. <laughs> but you'll start to see if they're receptive to feedback, receptive to direction. And that's when you start to go, I'm not saying it's red yet, but the flag is definitely like a marigold yellow, you know, like going from yellow to orange. We're, we're just like venturing in the direction of like, uh oh, no, I don't know if I can just like trust you to do your job. As far as what's in our control, it always takes more time than you think. Always takes. And I and I still to this day, I still run into this issue and I don't know why I do this to myself. It takes more time than you think to move people from the ceremony to the cocktail hour, from the cocktail hour to the reception. If you have 150 people, you should put a 10 minute buffer there. You really should. It takes longer than you think because they're in conversation. They're enjoying themselves. I've literally had a grown man practically snarl at me because I had to go up to him for the fourth time to be like, hi, dinner is being served. Move your rear end into the reception space. That's not exactly what I said, but that was the feeling within my soul. I'm pretty sure I communicated, hi, it's me again. I know I'm probably not your favorite person, but we do have food waiting for you on the other side of those double doors. If you wouldn't mind, please checking the seating chart right there and making your way to your seats. I would really appreciate it. <laughs> Yay, thank you. So it takes more time than you think. Lining up the wedding party takes more time than you think. You can have them lined up 15 minutes before the ceremony starts. Who cares? Who Flipping cares. You can't be too early with, I mean, you can, but like, if you feel like it, ah, we might be five minutes earlier, do it. Line them up. 
who cares? Line them up for a grand entrance earlier. I would rather have them standing there and like a teensy bit bored or like excited to get to the next thing than run around looking for the best man and maid of honor two minutes before they're supposed to be walking in. It takes longer than you think. Dismissing tables. Dinner service can take longer than you think. I love being surprised by a short dinner service. I love being like, wait, what? It only took 30 minutes? You stop it. You're fantastic. That's not normal. Moving people, getting people in line, getting people to follow directions, all of the above takes longer than you think. I have a couple who wants to hire a friend to do the catering, pay them a bit for their time and for all the supplies needed, then augment that with some DIY food provided by the bride's aunt, who is not a professional caterer. What preparation can I help with to make sure this goes smoothly? The wedding should have around 75 people attending. Okay, this is like major flashback vibes. Oh, there's this one wedding that we did in Julian and it was early on and it was one of those, don't worry, I have people for that. Oh yeah, no, no, I don't know. No, no. It's, I, I got, I got people, I got people and they didn't have enough people. So a couple of concerns that I'm seeing immediately right off the bat. Uh, they want to hire a single friend to do catering. Just one. That's a problem. And then augment that with DIY food provided by the bride's aunt, who's not a professional. Again, that's a problem. Like if we only have one professional prepping catering for 75 people, huge, huge issue. Temperature's an issue. Serving's an issue. Busing's an issue. Red flags. Like just it's a firework of red in my brain right now. You need more than one person to cater for 75 people. If we are augmenting with DIY food from the bride's aunt, great. That's still not enough people to cater for 75 people. Like that's not a big team at all. The best thing to do is to have a little powwow between friend, caterer, professional, and aunt, DIY, extraordinaire, get them to talk to one another. What are you doing? What are you offering? Who's bringing chafing dishes? Who's bringing a lighter to light the sternos underneath the chafing dishes? I mean, you really have to work through every single detail because what happens is a ton of assumptions are made on a couple's behalf of like, well, I hired this person. Therefore, ergo, they should cater. No, no. Who's bringing plates? Who's bringing napkins? Who's setting it up? Who's tearing it down? You have to walk through it. Um, I think the, ana the analogy I, I know I've used before, I just don't know where it's been shared. So if I sound like a broken record, forgive me, is that that science experiment that we did in sixth or seventh grade science, where we had to write down a very detailed list of how to put together a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it was walk to the refrigerator, open refrigerator door, grab jar of peanut butter, grab jar of jelly, close refrigerator door, place peanut butter and jelly on countertop grab butter knife from drawer like that detailed in like very intricate step by step who is prepping the food who's cooking it preparing it making sure it like tastes not like cafeteria food great who's bringing it to the venue what are they bringing it in how are you maintaining that temperature who is restocking when something gets low who is making sure that you have enough for 75 people so you can see where this all of a sudden starts to feel like oh 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 yeah, no, it starts to get really concerning because you're like, I don't know if I'm comfortable having one person run the catering for all this. Now, if it's the aunt doing the appetizers, great. There's a very clean delineation. All right, caterer person, you've got this for 75 people. You ready? And I mean everything. Maybe that means walking that through with your client. So this means taking on the role of another professional on your wedding day, on this wedding day. This means you're stepping up and you are literally becoming a partial caterer. You need to decide if that's something that you are willing to do or not. Of course, we want to step in and save our clients. Of course, we want to protect them. Of course, we don't want this to be their experience. But immediately I'm like, all right, so I can walk you through some of these questions. Um, usually in situations like this, like it's not 
great. Stuff does go wrong. And I'm not putting that on your friend or your aunt or saying they're not going to be good at their job. But this is this is a job for a crew of like five to 10 people, not two. So are there more people that can come in and help? More people that can volunteer? There are more people that can support? Can your caterer friend run us through this list of things that we should be doing and then pass that off to other people? Your job just got way more complicated. Is that something you want to take on? Like, your job as the coordinator, as the planner. So this is why that really big hefty document, the final details document that I have, this is why you go through and ask those questions because I've literally had DIY food and not had a plate to serve it on or a fork to eat it with or a napkin or you know those itty bitty details because there's just assumptions that somebody somewhere is gonna, someone's gonna remember forks. No, they're not. So what preparation can you help with to make sure this goes smoothly? Impress upon your clients the difficulty of what you're asking, of what they're asking, really. And a lot of times they don't want to hear it and they they will hear it as their friend is not good enough. And you're like, no, 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 no. I am not trying to say that. I'm sure your friend is absolutely fantastic. I just know logistically this is a job for five to 10 people and we have one professional on it. I want to mitigate. I'm going to ask all the hard questions now. I want to get this out of the way. I would rather it be uncomfortable now than not have hot chicken or cold salad on your wedding day. Like I, I would rather ask these questions so we don't even have to worry about it. You hired me for a reason. I adore you to pieces. Trust me on this. We're going to need to work through some of this. Describing it to clients sucks. Sucks. If I got presented with that, I'd be like, <laughs> I don't want to tell you that this is the worst idea, but this is like the actual worst idea. How do I say that to you? How do I like crush your dreams? Because you think you just saved $5,000 on food and it is going to be a nightmare unless you listen to me. How do I say that? That's hard. And that's uncomfortable. So you get better at communicating this or spotting these issues before they become issues, right? You don't want to have that conversation again. You don't want to run that wedding again. You don't want to bust those tables again. There was an event that we had where we were literally busting tables for three hours after the event had ended because it didn't go according to plan. Now, this was a very unique situation. It was out of the local church that I had literally worked at. And like, I didn't, I couldn't, I could not leave the church like that. Like I had to bust it. But three hours for three of us to bust these tables because it didn't, I didn't want to ask these uncomfortable questions before. And we got ourselves into such a freaking pickle. A lot of venues require vendor insurance. So that could be a good excuse. That's a fantastic excuse. Uh, <laughs> you were literally, uh, that's actually was a different wedding. But yes, you, Rebecca was in actual tears because at, at that wedding, uh, the bartenders were supposed to bust and they pieced out with a case of wine and just just left, just were gone. And that was when the caterer was like a total butthead. Oh, he was so mean. He was so patronizing. And the sweet owner was right there. That one was bad too. But it's a good idea to prevent yourself from like getting in that situation literally on day of. We don't have our food handling certification. We legally cannot be holding, handling food. We can't be busting tables. We're actually not allowed to be doing any of that legally. It's, it's, it's not what we do. And then how do you take that and go, I'm going to communicate this so much better before next time. Mm -mm. No, ma'am, I do not receive that. I'm not doing this again. So I'm going to be a much better communicator and cling on to stuff like legally we can't handle food. We're not supposed to be busting tables because we don't have our food handler safety uh, licensing. Um, we're really expensive busboys. <laughs> no, I am not doing that. So that was a very passionate response <laughs> to what immediately looked like a red flag to me. How do you get yourself out of the responsibility of this? 
how do you ask all the right questions, but still hedge it all with just so you know, I am not a professional caterer. I will probably miss a question or two. I'm going to walk you through to the best of my abilities, what I know needs to be there. Uh, but this is concerning. I think there needs to be a bigger team that's handling this. Is there a way that family members or friends can step in and help to assist? Um, and I can just be there as like a shoulder to lean on if they need a little extra support, but this is not something in my staff, we're not staffed to handle that either. But in my experience for 75 people, you need five to 10 on the catering staff. So to only have two, I want to make sure we work through all the questions first, you know, which is really uncomfortable and it sucks to deliver because you never want to crush your client's spirit. But in a situation like that, where you know it will go off the rails, it is your responsibility to make sure that you are communicating as effectively as possible beforehand. So as little as possible catches on fire on the wedding day. That's all we have for this week's episode, guys. Guys, if you enjoyed it, do me a favor, screenshot that episode and share it on socials. Tag me in it. I would love to see Wolfer and Co. on Instagram. Let me know if you're enjoying it. You can also let me know if you didn't enjoy it, but I'm probably not going to reshare that one. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you in the next one.